0: That wizard came from the moon. Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers the toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, Dan pops the hood on Tony Stark's codpiece and takes a look at Anthem, Andy got taken by Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. MaryJane.com tells us all how dank purple weed gets purple. Just what we never knew we needed. Ocarina of Time Co-op is under development, Snoop Doggy Dog starts the Gangster Gaming League, Dwarf Fortress is coming out on Steam, and some mad scientists in Colorado get folks stoned and send them on a drive. We'll also be settling in for our smoke sesh with our Strain and our Munchie of the Week, so stick around for that, because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host Andy, and with me as always... The one, the only, incredibly handsome, Dank Dan. Andy, we're ready to test out these purple dungeon squid
1: flight suits that are definitely not stolen Iron Man tech. And you know what? Trying on, I bet there's enough room that I didn't need
0: to get completely naked first. <laughs> oh, the metal chafing's going to really sneak up on you a little later, Dan. It's I have filings where I don't want filings. That's true. That's true. How are you, buddy? Nice chatting with you, Dan. Yes. Nice getting on the old horn. Oh, we're horning. Yeah, I'm a (laughs) a horned up kind of dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You're (laughs) you're a little bit, you have a little bit of, like, psychosis from your uh, deep participation in trade shows. You've been on planes. You've been getting crazy.
0: Planes, trains, and aeroplanes. No, that's not how that goes. Dan, good, good, to, good to level with you again, buddy. It's been, uh, it's been not too long. Our most recent podcast. I feel like we're settling back into something of a groove. We got a little bit of a rhythm. It's, it's podcast yeah. jazz. It's like biddibiddit scat, yeah. and then there's five measures of silence, and then it's a skibbity dupe. Yeah, well, that's okay. That's all right. Oh, welcome to the Purple Dungeon Squid, fellow listeners. Uh, I guess they're not fellow listeners. We're, we're doing the recording, you're doing the listening. Uh, but if you haven't been around for any of our uh, jubilant, what, 30, what is this, episode 32? 33? I, I think it is 32. Oh, no, 33. Trace, Trace, I think. Oh, anyway, there we it doesn't go. matter. <laughs> 30, 32 or 33, whichever episode this is, recorded here on March uh, 18th, 2019. Is that a thing we want to do now, Dan? Say the date? I, I think we don't. I think that
1: only further further implicates ourselves. <laughs> now, this yeah, is, it's too This official. is
0: 32, confirmed. No lost episode. Uh, this is 32. Episode 32. Of course it is. Of course it is. If you've not been around the Purple Dungeon Squid before, folks, this is a podcast about cannabis... Weed, the Marahuchi, and video games. And uh, yeah, we're here to shoot the breeze on some of those high, high topics. Um, Dan, what have you been up to lately, my good dude? I've been continuing my Anthem
1: train, and I'm happy to, to say there's some updates around Anthem. But it's, it has captured me, man. I've been, I've been going back to that well. Are you Anthem? Oh, you, sorry. Did I say anthem? anthem? Boy, oh you boy. You said Anthem. I did. And what I mean to say is um, uh, Apex Legend. Oh, you're getting into some of that battle royale kind of stuff, eh? I'm I'm in all the way, and listen, I didn't seek it out as like, hey, I need some battle royale action, but uh, it's a game that that keeps me keeps me coming coming back. I've been playing it uh, since launch, pretty solid uh, on the daily, and it's it's been very very in- enjoyable.
0: Did you get a peek at it yet? Did you get get your hands around it? I haven't, man. I've been so like I, again, I've been I've been on the road quite a bit, so I've been uh, been married to my Switch for the past little while, and mm-hmm. um, Apex Legends is not out on Switch yet, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't Nothing so. on the radar. I don't. I don't think. Apex so. Legends Switch. Let's do some research here. Let's, let's not even do playing some this live with our mutual friends. February fifteenth, respawn would like to put Apex Legends on it the Switch to. and mobile platforms. It would like to. Baby, that's, I'd that's love some to. good feelings. Oh, actually, Nintendo Life has it quoted as would love to would bring love Apex to. Legends.
1: So yeah, there once you go. You, they, once they would love get to. You heard to Nearly fifty-five million players. Uh, yeah, everybody wants to take you to the dance.
0: Yeah, yeah. You want to you wanna put it on the Switch? You want to get it on the N-Gage? You want to put it on a toaster? Yep. Get that shit playing on your microwave. That's right. If it's going to move the units, get it going. I fully believe that there are enough unusable buttons on a microwave that you could feasibly play a video game. I mean, I think what you're really going to get stopped by, I think
1: what you'll find is it's the, the lack of the screen that's really going to stop <laughs> in you in your tracks.
0: Nah, nah. Next-gen microwaves. Just like listen. It. You heard it here first. I heard it your first tip. Um, that's cool, man. Yeah, Apex Legends is really appealing to me. Um, anything battle royale is really appealing to me these days. I, we talked about it on a previous episode. I really love the, the genre. Can't wait to see how this evolves. But you've been playing it pretty die hard. Um, what's uh, what's what's keeping you going back? You dropped out of Fortnite pretty quick, so I'm, I'm just curious. I,
1: I mean, I wouldn't even say that I ever really played Fortnite. There's like three matches. Uh, I like how you said die hard there. You didn't say die hard. You said die hard. <laughs> Which is awesome. D hod So, you know what? It it comes down to a couple things. And uh, the speed of play. Um, This is a game that you can sort of play fast or play slow. And what I mean by that is you can drop into the hot zone where everybody's going and, uh, you know, settle your hash pretty quickly. Or you can work your way in from the edges of the map and and sort of uh, go a little bit slower. But... uh, I really have, you know, a couple friends. Uh, we jump in a squad. Uh, the pinging system is awesome. Even so. If, even if you have somebody's off mic or random that doesn't want to talk, that's great. They're still useful. And, uh, you really have to act as a team to get in there. And, just chasing, chasing that victory. Let me tell you, when you when you're standing and and just before I hopped on, I had a sweet, sweet victory uh, with my good buddy. And standing on top of that mountain with a friend uh, is just so much more satisfying, you know, because that's a victory, a victory shared. And I, I just I've had a lot of fun focusing on just a couple characters. I play uh, Bangalore and Bloodhound and, uh, and um, oh, what's her name, uh, Lifeline. And it's nice. it's just it's just a great it's Strong a great names. thing yeah oh yeah Andy you love the names um you know and it's uh it just it feels it feels high intensity every time I the excitement's high it hasn't got stale we'll, we'll see how I feel in a couple months um they are coming out with a battle pass and starting to re- release new characters we'll talk a little bit about that uh downcast
0: but uh yeah so far I'm I'm still hooked yeah, that sounds neat, man. I, again, I'm lamenting only the fact that I'm not able to play it on, um, on Switch. That being said, I've been trying to dive into Warframe over the past little while. Um, and so what happened was is I was traveling about two weeks ago and got to my hotel, got everything hooked up, and Warframe had to update. And there's just not enough bandwidth on hotel Wi-Fi to make anything meaningful happen on an update. I think I was getting 0. 0.0003 kilobytes per second. Um, so, unfortunately, that didn't hash out. Got home, updated the uh, updated Warframe, got it all good to go. And now I find myself back here um, at my favorite uh, favorite accommodations in beautiful Las Vegas. Uh, still not enough bandwidth to actually start the game, so Warframe has been a big, big old F for me, um, and only because I can't yet play it. That that traveling internet should always come with an asterisk
1: beside it. It's we have internet unless you want to download anything, in which case, right, get out of our establishment. They've they've get closed all the gone. ports. It's it's offensive to me when I stay in a in a uh, hotel and they treat downloading like it's nineteen ninety three. They're like, oh, you want to download? No, we don't allow that here. We've closed those limited bandwidth. Yeah, they're like, please don't listen. They're like, what we want to do is go to the special channel on the TV and uh, and watch uh, Soul Plane two. Uh, for the low cost of ten ninety nine, we don't want you streaming anything. <laughs> we don't want you torrenting anything. Stop what you're doing and hand us some of your money.
0: I I really hope that you don't deign to besmirch the institution of Soul Plane. That that movie is uh, in my top five. I just well, want to let you know that. The thing
1: about Soul Plane is for me, it's my special edition copy of Soul Plane, or it's nothing. And I find they just don't make it available. They don't understand
0: what they're what they're missing. Sure. I didn't know there was a special edition copy of soul plan, but if you own one, I'm, I'm proud. Um, yeah, man, this, this, this Fi is it's a bad scenario. Uh, and it sucks too, because like often I'll be traveling and you know, I'll have played through a game or two while I'm, uh, while I'm on the plane. And, um, I don't know, like I get in that mode where I'm just checking out new games and I want to download something and I just can't. And it feels like a super, like you said, 1995 problem to not have appropriate internet to download a video game. Like that just, it feels offensive to me and to the point where i consider tethering my iphone i'm like maybe i can tether my iphone to the switch to the point where i tried to tether my iphone to my switch that didn't work and it's probably for the best because those data those data fees are not they're not anything to joke about they're not messing around yeah
1: absolutely you feel that squeeze of of restricted internet and all you just want to play the thing and you're right you can get trapped by uh Rapid updates, you know, you you let a game cool in your hard drive um, for seven days and there's a good chance that it's going to want to update before it allows you to do anything,
0: especially if it's a fresh game. Uh, and, so well, Warframe, and it's just such a pain in the ass at the time because you're like... Oh, the patch notes are, you know, we've increased stability, air quotes, and added a new purple shader to outfit number 365 and you're like, I can't play the game because of the fucking purple shader. Uh, frame vectors have been decentralized. Um so yeah, with
1: uh <sighs> with warframe on the shelf, would you slot in there, Big Papa? <laughs>
0: Oh, I got quite a bit going. We're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk a bit about Smash Bros., which took me by a big surprise. Um, I also picked up my copy finally of Dark Souls for the Switch. Have not popped it in the tray. Is it a tray? No, it's a cart. Cart in the slot. Have not slid that through the old peeper door uh, into the Switch mainframe um, yet. But I'm sure that I'm sure that that'll be a fun time. But yeah, Smash Bros has really got me enamored um, in a big way. Uh, I also got st- a little bit off topic, but I got strangely into cocktails over the last few months. Like I've, I've become a real become a real cocktail guy. Dan, how do you feel about cocktails? Uh, you know, I've spent my time uh,
1: behind the wood and uh, behind the I've, stick. I've, behind the stick, I've 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 mixed my share of
0: cocktails. What, what do you what, what's your go to? What are you mixing up there? Well, you know, I mean, I think that it's no secret, given this podcast we have, that I like the nuances of flavor that come out of mixing up adult substances. I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, And so, you know, I've never really been much of a drinker uh, you know, beer, fine wine, fine. I can appreciate a good, you know, a good craft beer or a a beautiful bottle of wine. Um, but for some reason I just never really dove into the world of cocktails and maybe it's just part of over the last year and change, we've been doing this for a bit, eh? Uh, for the past year and change, like sitting there examining flavor notes in, um, you know, in cannabis, um, to the point where I discovered this whole new world where, there are many different alcohols, multiple types of gin, you know, uh, whiskey has different varietals, and, and uh, they all come together in this beautiful little package that feels a little bit like cooking. So I've, uh, I've doubled down, I've gone out, I've, I've bought like, five books and and every saturday evening myself and my lovely wife sit down and i I mix this up a little cocktail and it's uh it's it's going well for me i'm really enjoying it i may be becoming a booze hound in the process but you know we'll we'll examine that
1: we'll examine that in 10 years in a church basement with some metal chairs but you know that aside i feel like we're a little bit like christopher columbus here discovering america and the way we're talking about discovering cocktails we're like we've did you hear about this cocktail thing? And all the collective uh, uh, indigenous peoples are like, yeah, yeah, we've known about that for a while. But no, you're right. It's 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 amazing where we live in a renaissance of taste and flavor and the cocktails are no exception. You know, uh, one of my favorites, one of my favorite standards is just a fantastic gin and tonic. And I- yeah, good gin and tonic. I stepped up to the plate. My neighbor came knocking. He says, listen, uh, have you tried this tonic? And I'm like- What do you you mean? There's like, I never had thought at the different selections of tonic water. He goes, this is from a local sort of boutique called Pusateri's. And he's like, you need this tonic. A gin and tonic is not a gin and tonic without this. And I did. I scoffed real hard. Uh, I built a gin and tonic uh, from this. And I have to say, top notch. Top notch. Top notch. Top shelf. The artisanal gin and tonic. It's a nice, clean, nice, clean beverage. Like if I'm out at a steakhouse, I will... As my opening drink, order a gin and tonic just to get things started, just to wake up the whole mouth. Um, but it's not going to leave you really full. It's it's not really heavy. It's a really clean starter. How do you feel about that?
0: Yeah, gin and tonic for me is a is a is a standard. Um, and you know, I think that like. It's weird because I'm still learning my way around gin. And it, again, feels like diving into the deeper side of cannabis because I've been consuming alcohol for all of my adult life, but I've never really spent much time looking at the difference between old Tom gin and slow gin and the different, again, varietals of gin. How much, uh, what's, what's that damn berry that's in gin? Damn it. That's juniper, my sis- good friend juniper the juniper berry how much juniper really is there in this varietal of gin all of these questions are fascinating because it's like smoking weed and then one day you learn that there's you know purple kush you know, and you're like oh this this tastes different from uh you know lemon skunk and slash or you know the swag that i used to buy from billy's older brother yeah uh, and it's it's a it's a really interesting world where you start getting into it. And of course the thing that comes along when you get a new hobby is the gear, right? So like immediately I find myself unable to live without a bar spoon. I haven't had a bar spoon my entire life, but now I'm going out and buying like Japanese cocktail vessels with bar spoons and jiggers. Yep. and cocktail shakers and mm-hmm. and what hawthorn strainers. Yep. I've got the whole I've, I I I procured a bar cart that's now sitting in my living room. I went all the way, I guess you could say. So you've actually regressed
1: In your house now it's 1950 and uh you're you're uh pouring yourself a
0: uh, a one that's nice high and tight after work. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of going that way, I'm not going to lie. But um yeah, I mean like it's it, and the glassware. Dan there's so many glasses and the thing is is i'm reading these cocktail books one of them's um a cocktail book by death and co and death and co is a very uh, from i didn't know about it prior so no nose in the air on this statement but it's a very like famous cocktail restaurant in or bar rather in uh in new york city uh they have a couple other locations now too one in denver and probably one in la and um you know they're they're true cocktail aficionados they they go the book itself like, by the way if you like if you like alcohol or, or drinking or cocktails at all the book is amazing because there's lots of stories around how they arrive at different flavor combinations and how they do testing and tasting and how they build cocktails it's, it's very cool um and again it just draws a parallel back to cannabis like a lot of the conversations around growing weed and um, curing weed and and genetics like all of these things are really interesting because they impact the final product in a material way right um but anyway, so I'm reading this uh this Death and Co book and uh you know I get to the recipes and I'm getting excited. I already have some of the, you know, the liquors that I need. I'm going to the liquor store. I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to pick up some, you know, whatever you name it." And I think the last cocktail i made had uh, had uh, what the hell is it called so i got had limoncello and grappa in it which are two things that i've never once in my adult life purchased as a greek but, man um, this is your first grappa i mean that's your your ancestry is cheering from beyond the veil that's a that's an italian an italian liquor but that's okay same thing you know it's all mediterranean we're all we're all mediterranean here um but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's amazing because, like, I go to make this cocktail, and they're like, oh, no, 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 you, you, can't put that, you can't put that into a scotch glass. No, 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 you need a Tom Collins glass. No, 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 not a highball, not a highball, a Tom Collins glass. And then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll just make this mint julep instead. And they're like, no, 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 that one cocktail has its own glass. It's called a julep tin, and if you don't put it in a julep tin, you're not really drinking a mint julep. So now I have, suffice to say, like 60 different drinking glasses in my house that I just only use on very specific occasions. My wife's really happy. Well,
1: Andy, if, if this is the town and village that you're parking your car in, uh, I have to mention and give it a shout out. Uh, you'll, you'll need to swing by uh, Toronto and perhaps the world's preeminent cocktail location, which is Bar Chef down on, uh, on Queen West. And uh, try one of their many uh, fantastic beverages. It's getting a little long in the tooth, but for a long time they did a smoke Manhattan uh, which is a fantastically handcrafted uh, Manhattan right down to the hand chipped ice ball and then it is uh, rested upon a bed of smoked hickory in this beautiful bell jar it, it will run you a pretty penny um, but uh, uh, you should have one once in your lifetime for sure yeah uh, go down but no, no, yeah for sure. Go down there and see Frankie Solieric. I probably mispronounced his last name. And yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing experience.
0: Yeah. Well, and this is it. So I've been traveling a lot now. I've been poking into different cannabis dispensaries and different bars and trying cocktails. And I'm just, uh, you know, I'm on my, well on my way to being a full-blown degenerate. There you go. Yeah, uh, I also got a custom purple dungeon squid shirt made yesterday. So I was standing at a trade show, um, and a kind fellow who was doing some custom uh, t-shirt art asked me if I wanted to have one done, and so I got got the squid up there on the breastplate. Um, it says purple dungeon squid on the underneath. It's a nice, fresh, clean white t-shirt that uh, you can see on our Instagram feed if you check us out at purple dungeon squid. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty excited about it. Oh, nice, man. Yeah, I saw the
1: I saw it on the Instagram and. Uh... I was like, "Hey, who penned this this sweet sweet nugget?" And uh it reminds me that we got to get our t-shirt mill going, don't we?
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, you know, I've just give me a, give me a minute to clear away all the drinking glasses I just bought and we'll make sure we get an a, an old-fashioned <laughs> silk screen put in right in the front room. Uh also, if you know a good divorce lawyer, it's a good time for that. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I will say one more thing about the the t shirt though, because it's a crisp white t shirt, right? Very excited about it. I try it on. I snap a couple photos for the Instagram feed, as one does. Got to take a selfie, uh, and then I put it over my shoulder, cholo style, right? Except I'm not. It's like a little nippy here in Vegas still, so I didn't take my other shirt off because, like, normally that's how you do it, right? You get you get your your bare chest and the white t shirt over your shoulder. It's a very mm-hmm. cool look, as so I'm told. Mm-hmm. But um. No, I just had another black shirt on underneath. Anyway, so I go to a taco restaurant, which I'm really excited to go to, and I'm being very careful around this white shirt, until at one point, I finish eating a taco, I put it down, and I don't know if you're like me, Dan, but I like to cook at home, and when I cook at home, I always have a dish towel thrown over my shoulder. That's just how I do it. That keeps my hands clean, and for a moment... I forgot that it was a T-shirt on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. thought it was a dish towel. Mm-hmm. And that my reflex, and I, it, was, it was a painful moment because I knew just as my hands were reaching for that white shirt that it was not a dish towel. But sure enough, my fingers made contact and now there are some serious taco stains on the front. Not, not conservative taco stains. We're talking about that guy ate some tacos. It became kind of a hand napkin more than a shirt. <laughs> really, genuinely and truly. Um, but hey, what are you going to do? Sometimes you got to break a couple T-shirts to make an omelet. Yeah, that's how that one goes. Sure is. And now for our sponsors. This episode of Purple Dungeon Squid is brought to you by Weed and Video Games. Weed and Video Games, we salute you. Also brought to you by Purple Roasted Peanuts. Purple Roasted
1: Peanuts. Let's hope that that roasting killed whatever that thing is that's purple. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Uh, Brought to you by eating a can of tuna on an airplane. Did you want to commit a hate crime that also won't get you fired? Time to crack open a fresh can of chicken of the sea tuna and spread across that airplane. Everybody hates you, but they can't get you fired from your job.
0: Oh, it's so good. Um, Brought to you by that cloud that's following you. Is that a cloud that's following you? Yeah, it is. And it knows what you did. Oh, ominous. Finally, brought to you by the guy that's tailgating
1: you. He wants to pass you, but not enough to pass you. He's just going to drive right up your tailpipe until you have an embolism. That guy driving, (laughs) that guy that's tailgating you.
0: <laughs> oh, Dan, how's your road rage doing these days, buddy? I've been on the phone with you while you're in the car, and I get concerned about you sometimes. I'm there's a, just like, I'm there's a, a little anger bubbling there. So, what I am is a freelance road
1: counselor uh, offering feedback and uh, oh, uh, coaching okay. on a live, ongoing basis. What's great is uh, I don't require any payment of any kind. The justice that I dole out is its own reward. Yeah, I, boy. Come on. I, I, you know what? It's interesting. I've, I've reached a new level of, let's not call it road rage, of, of road counseling. Uh, road counseling. I, let, let me give you a good example. This, this fellow was driving up a road that was 60 kilometers an hour here in sunny Canada. Uh, let's just think like 45 American. And he's going 80, na- nay, 90. And he's driving up this guy's tailpipe who's got a, a slower, more modest car. He's clearly a nervous driver. And, uh, he then pulls it in front of him and then right before the next set of lights cuts him off, like dangerously so, I guess to prove a point that he didn't like the the fact that he was driving only 10 over the speed limit. Now, normally, um, it would be up to these two to sort of, uh, sort out what's going on. They would, uh, you know, uh, figure it out in some way. But now I, I'm inserting myself into situations like that. So, uh... The windows down. Oh, you're I'm like, gone
0: full vigilante. You're like oh, too yeah. much Batman.
1: Uh, it's well, there's no such thing, but um, justice. No, I put the window down, and I, I put, I put, I put my head out, and I said, "What you're doing is both dangerous and selfish."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't write him a strongly worded letter. I listen and ask for it's his mother's like, phone number.
1: I like I jot down his address. I send him a, a a wax sealed envelope. Now I feel like I should be able to like live hand out demerit points while I'm driving. and take a little load off the the local
0: constabulary constabulary there it is. Constabulary. Uh, and constabulary constabulary.
1: And uh and it's funny. you you're, <laughs> you're doing
0: a you're doing a you're doing a citizen's demerit.
1: That's correct. It's funny cuz most people I mean, in a road rage situations, um, they're yelling things, possibly things that need to be censored on daytime television. I'm doing something different. I'm instructing like uh, I see this all the time on our on on big highways. People will bang into each other. Right. And then they'll get out of their cars to do whatever. And, and they're in the middle of a giant highway outside of their cars. So as I pass them, <laughs> I, the wind is and I shout something like you're going to be hit and killed over a fender bender. And you kind of hear them sear it on the wind, and like, oh yeah, I've endangered my entire life. This is going to go really poorly for me. What I've selected to do. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm I now I'm ever vigilant. Now for me, knock on wood, ten years, no speeding tickets, no uh, no car intermingling. So knock on wood, we're going to keep that going. But yeah, uh, it's not road
0: rage. Maybe perhaps road road justice. Road and, justice, and you also know, you know, when, that, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's all right. I mean, you are both the deliverer and arbiter of justice, it sounds like. That's right. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny
1: Excellent. because I'm also exactly. rewarding. Exactly how that's
0: supposed to work. <laughs> I'm rewarding good behavior when I see just
1: uh, uh, heroes out there that get out of the passing lane when a car is coming up behind them. Sometimes that car is me. I'll give them a stern. I'll snap off a salute or put a thumbs up out there because it shouldn't just be hate; should be some praise. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll throw that out there.
0: Um, so watch I like for that. me, four hundred one denizens. That's great. I'm not. You need you always need some bumper there. stickers that identify you as this kind of individual. i uh, perhaps already have if you're familiar with my vehicle. Deputy but Dan. Well,
1: I don't like that. Road that deputy sounds like, Dan. It sounds like Deputy Dog. It sounds like Gomer Pyle. I, I, uh, you know, I'm not always there, but I am always watchful. Dan, the
0: road warden. There it is. Dan of the East. <sighs> Dan of it's the 12 Fires. He's coming up from behind. Dan of the family sigil. Um. I you know I don't have any road rage myself. I'm a, I'm a very metered, calm driver. I'm in, I'm never in a hurry to get anywhere because you know safety first and all that. Yes. Uh, that being said, when folks are really being dangerous or like belligerent, yeah. Sometimes and it happens very rarely, but sometimes that anger comes out in really physical ways. And and like I, I get into this into this state. Of of masculinity, yeah. It's the only way I can describe it. Just straight male, yeah. you know. I'll lock eyes with the perpetrator and say some really <laughs> hateful things that only that he he can't hear, but he knows. He doesn't what know I'm about saying. them, but he can feel them. And I just, it's just, it's unbroken. It's the unbroken eye contact. I get really angry. A lot of expletives come out of my mouth, but in a quiet mutterance. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. See what I when you said that
1: that rage becomes physical. I pictured you taking, like, reaching down the rear of your pantalones and just delivering a full defecation into your hand, and then throwing it at the car out the window, like 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 an angered chimpanzee. And now, like, I'm not even angry at that response. That seems reasonable.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know that if I'm really angry, or if I'm doing it for the theater of it, I'd have to. I'd have to really do some soul searching there. But there's some questions there that I don't really want to answer. Yeah, leave those. Leave that
1: book. That book closed. Now, one of the reasons when I've been in the car with you, it is a steady, to measure, ex- measured experience. It's it's slightly less uh, sharp than my own, and I think that's because of uh, of your upbringing. And here's a fact you and I both know. I love your mother. And I've been in the car with your mother and your mother, while I'm in the back seat, will turn around 180 degrees and carry on a conversation with me as she travels 140 down the highway. And it is it is a breathtaking experience. I have never clenched so hard as that five minute exchange. It's 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 like it's remarkable. And, and she's relatively
0: unscathed, um, you know, for, after a full life uh, of driving. Relatively. If you want to actually sponsor the show, feel free to email us at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Until then, you'll have to put up with all of this nonsense. And please, say a little prayer and send some white light to my mother. Oh, Dan, Dan, Dan. Dan the man. Dan the man, macho savage. Killed it. Danny boy. Um, Dan, you uh, you dove into uh, ooh, I dove, we dove, they dove, she dove, she he dove, dove. bleedove. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Uh, video games. We should talk about those. <laughs> we should talk there's, about them. should the podcast. Game
1: is. Are you sure you this game, this this podcast, isn't about booze
0: cruising and fighting people on the road? <laughs> I mean, it may be, buddy. We're a dynamic bunch here. Um, yeah, well, listen, man. I mean, you you and I have been playing some video games, and uh, I understand that you've been diving into Anthem over the past little while. Maybe you can share your unique perspective on that uh, lovely little truffle. I got to come out, guys, full
1: disclosure. So this is going to be a unique kind of review. Because to say that I dove in, it's a very shallow dive in the sense that I have not played this game. Now, I know what you're thinking you're gonna tell me about a game you haven't played, but here, here's the logic. I'm gonna recommend spoilers that you don't buy this game just yet, unless you love looter shooters. And then do what you're gonna do. You probably already own it, um, but you know Anthem, and we'll get into it, has all this potential, and we were promised so many things, and it, it does have some bright points. But boy, uh, you know, after watching uh, about 20, 20 hours of gameplay while I'm doing other things. Uh, I'm
0: going to tell you what I. Sorry, I've come you watch with. twenty hours of gameplay. That's that's borderline psychosis, Dan.
1: Well, it, you know, while I've been doing other things, doing my work, some people like, will load up Netflix or do that or that. I'll have it on the side, the side sort of window, um, you know, watching streams or do doing something like that. So here's what I know, guys. You load up Anthem, and in the you'll experience what I experienced. In the first one to four hours, you get an amazing flight experience. Uh, let's cut right to the quick. You're Iron Man and the the world is beautiful. That's a great start. Uh and there are some interesting enemies out there. There are a couple different factions. There's <clears throat> animals out there. The problem is is that although the combat and the different mechs have really interesting battle mechanics, the battle mechanics that you experience in the first 4 hours at that point, the game is shown its hold hand. That's what the battle mechanics are going to be for the next arguably 20 hours. And okay. as you fall, as you fall into, um, the critical path, the main storyline, the joke that I saw some streamers doing and, and, and it really made me laugh out loud is they started actually predicting what the next, um, like mission parameter would be. Uh, and, Half the time they were correct because the, the, what they find is, you know, so many times it's land here, hold this spot, fly to this thing, do this objective that you've done something very similar, you know, many, many times. And it, and it really starts to get stale and it loses a lot of its shine. Um, and you see this like uh, there's so many polish issues. Like I see these guys, they drop into a, a game and they get a, a loot Um, pick up, and it shows up as rarity color. You know, it's purple or it's blue, but you don't actually know what you picked up. You have to go into the the hub screen to find out what you got and to equip it. So you get into this loading this string of loading screens it's uh, a string of it's a loading screen to get out a loading screen to get into configuring your javelin a loading screen to come back out you hit a loading screen if one of your cohorts gets too far ahead of you um so and what you find is that you just get dropped endlessly into these loading screens and it really breaks up the action
0: and really hurts the
1: pace of the game
0: Interesting. Well, I mean, it's, so, it's, it's funny what you say about the, uh, about the, the missions, right? Um, so I, I haven't watched almost any Anthem gameplay footage. Uh, what I have done is I've read a couple reviews because I was considering picking it up. And um, a lot of the concerns that, that reviewers have right now are, are echoing it. And, and, you know, guys, you might be asking, why are we reviewing Anthem when we haven't actually played Anthem? And it's kind of like, I, it's just a temperature check because, you know, to me, Anthem is one of those, um, how can I put it? It's one of those title games that we will almost always pick up, right? And this one gave me gave me pause too, Dan. I mean, I wasn't actually fully interested in it from the get go, but um, it seems like there's some some significant gaps in uh, what makes, for example, a game of this of this type interesting to me, which is some sort of meaningful progression, right? You're 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 looking to, um, I, for me, I would want to kit out my what is it called a javelin, a javelin, and that's I, right. I understand there's like, there's no like cosmetic upgrades as you're playing through the game. Is that is that correct? So what I, what I want to differentiate is yeah you can there's cosmetic upgrades,
1: but none of them are like uh, you know you uh, you beat this section of the game and got this item. They are purchased exclusively from the store. They don't represent an achievement or a play style. Which which you know. It's a little bit different than what I love. I want, you know, whatever I'm sporting to sort of tell you a little bit about my story, you know, to look at me my and say, oh, he's he's either, you know, beaten this part or he's, you know, he's been able to achieve this many kills, something that is kind of lets you know as a badge of honor, you know what I mean? But going back to our wow days, you're you're holding that flaming two-hander that you
0: got from XYZ raid and they know you've run that raid 50 times and you mastered it. You know what I mean? Well, it's so the same the same thing in Destiny and in any other and is this would you call this a loot shooter? Yeah, it's a looter shooter right to its core, for sure. Okay. Then yeah, I mean for me that that's kind of a game breaker. Uh, again, just reading some of the other reviews out there, um there's some quirky things like I think something to do with jumping off of cliffs and not activating your boosters is a faster way to get down to the bottom of a level than than actually activating them. I don't mean to sound uneducated, but just little little things like that seem seem to me to mean that the quality of life adjustments in this game are strange. Are strange decisions, strange design decisions. Um, and yeah, just nothing about this game has got me excited right now. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's You know what? It, it still has those shiny gems, and in the past this would have been an
1: auto pre-order for me, but especially cuz BioWare's name was attached to it because I have all these warm and fuzzy feelings uh you know around BioWare we're talking uh you know the same guys that uh uh that brought us uh, Baldur's Gate and more recently one of your favorites uh please say it cuz the name is escaping me right now
0: Oh my favorite um uh, my favorite BioWare game Mass Mass Effect uh, there you go yes Mass Effect yeah. the so, original uh,
1: and, and, you know, there, there's all this, uh, talk at the very beginning. Um, and KOTOR, of the of development, yeah, of Kotor, of course. At the beginning of the development cycle, um, from Mike Gamble, uh, the head of, I think that that development team, I forget his exact position, but we kept hearing things like this. Now he's the lead producer. It's contiguous. Once you're in the open world, you just run around in the open world. There's no loads. Everything's continuous. You have access to the whole thing. And he said, you know, Anthem is built in such a way that the game is. Always loading another section just to add a site that allows Bioware to have huge maps strung together in a way that it makes it feel like you're exploring the face of a hostile planet. Given that the world is seamless, Bioware is playing to handle its boundaries in other ways. Boy, did that not come to pass. Uh You know. Uh, the guys have run stopwatches from the second they started up an anthem mission, um, from the map screen, and they could start playing two minutes and 30 seconds later, and you're constantly plagued by these loading screens. It's a case of, you know, uh, Especially when it comes to games as a service, they're comfortable two things, promising something and then never delivering on that experience because it's technically not feasible. Even when they scaled down the graphics, when I saw the first videos for this, uh, for this game, they're too beautiful to, to be, uh, realized on the hardware we have currently. And then, you know, you hear all this, this, from the experience of this whole thing is repetitive and the guy's saying this is a good game, but you actually have to get to the end game to the strongholds to find any of it. You don't get to the unique weapons until the very
0: end that vary the gameplay up because. Wouldn't you, know, you f- say that that's similar to, to destiny though? Cause like, to be fair, I mean, I've noticed that's one of my biggest challenges is in games that I play in a bite sized way. Like I don't get any of those meaningful mechanics often, especially in destiny, for example, until I got to end game.
1: Yeah, no, I got to disagree because, you know, if we just d- dive into uh, Destiny for a second, your Hunter class has three subclasses and you can swap among them and have a vastly different playstyle. Uh on top of that, there's there's unique weapons. You can build out sniper, you can build out shotgun, you can go with your rocket launchers. You know, it, it, and it's like uh the those unique weapon types didn't come out till 25 hours or 28 hours into the game. Um you know, and that's where they found the most fun. Uh you know, what I really expect, just switching gears a little bit, It's a game made by Bioware where you're hoping that the narrative would really carry the day, which is challenging in a looter, looter shooter given. But, you know, there's a disconnected narrative. You'll make a decision with one NPC and, uh, you know, irritate that NPC, do something negative to them to later rectify that, but that NPC is still angry at you. Even though the narrative has showed that they've been happy or another guy is irritated at you, even though you haven't irritated him less yet. There's like, there's a disconnect there, which is like kind of brutal. Now, my, my biggest fear about this, Andy was monetization, right? That's like been the elephant in the room. And to let a little bit of air on it, the actual monetization isn't super egregious. There's not a a huge amount of, you know, inundating advertisements. You're not being constantly pounded over the head of it with it. And the shards are kind of generous. After beating the main story, you have enough shards for one full set of aesthetic armor, which is which is decent in the full scheme of things you would you get a full set of what would normally cost you nine bucks if you bought the in-game currency
0: interesting yeah anyway i mean you know uh, Anthem is one that's probably going to sit on the shelf for me for a little while. You know, I want to go back to a conversation point you made a few moments ago, which is like, you know, p- predicting the mission type. And it's it's funny because, as a as a lover and player of RPGs, this is something that kind of um, kind of kicks me a bit. Is that, you know, I've played enough wow, I've played enough RPGs in general to know that there's there's only so many things you can ask a character to do, right? There's only so many things you can have a, a, a an avatar do in a game. You can go and get something, you can go and kill something, you can, you know, uh, stand still and defend something, and so on and so forth. You can kill 10 rats and or gather 10 bushels, right? But it's fascinating because I just started playing Elder Scrolls Online. So Elder Scrolls Online has been all over every single one of my social media feeds, and I don't know if that's because my phone is listening to me, which of course it is, um, or because I clicked on an Elder Scrolls ad one time, and now I'm doomed for life. But I've, uh, you know, I. And it's funny, because now that I've actually purchased the game, I still get these ads all the time. So it's, ah, anyway, um, that being said, I purchased the game, and I've been playing through it, I've only I'm only about five or six hours in. So very, very, very preliminary. But one of the things that stopped me from enjoying many RPGs of late, uh, and in, in in particular, the newest WoW expansion, let's say, is that exactly as you mentioned in Anthem, there's a condition of knowing that despite that there's going to be a veneer uh, of, hey, we're in a different place and there's different graphics and you're in a different world or you're talking to a different person or you're playing with a different character, the actual what you're doing ends up being the same thing. You're going to a place and getting a thing from a guy and then killing 10 rats and returning, right? Elder Scrolls Online, though, has kind of opened my eyes a little bit, especially to good storytelling in a multiplayer setting because, um, just having jumped in, I think I'm in the, uh, the most recent expansion is Somerset and Elder Scrolls online is interesting. I'll, I'll do a more in depth review once I actually spend some time with it. Um, but it's interesting because you can jump into the game anywhere. You can start playing around and questing in any zone. You can pick up, uh, you know, a storyline really, at any point, because there's no level gating to most of the game, right? And so, here I am in the newest expansion, I'm sitting down, playing through it with my wife for the first couple hours, and it's the same stuff, sure enough. It's, you know, gather this thing, go and kill this person, you know, do whatever. But the way that this team has strung together these missions is so overlaid with both... Um, uh, narrative, like just good storytelling, along with a system of pr- providing that narrative in the form of either voiceover or, like, you know, BioWare style. Speaking of BioWare, BioWare style conversation, that I often forget that I'm playing a multiplayer game. And it's interesting because you've got games like Destiny, for example, where, you know, storytelling is done through cutscenes. Right. Um, and games like, wow, where storytelling is done through, you know, reading a quest box and maybe a cutscene here and there. But this game, you're doing the same things. You're hitting buttons and killing things just like I've done for uh, an obscene amount of hours in previous MMOs. But the way that the storytelling is delivered totally changes the experience, totally creates investment and totally creates a scenario where you actually want to see the whole thing play out for the story which is a, a payoff that I've not experienced in a modern RPG in a while. So, um, you know, going back to Anthem, um, it's upsetting to me to hear that, you know, that things appear to be quite rote because this is Bioware, and, you know, the expectation is great story. And uh, if that's not being delivered in this title, then then that's that's a real disappointment.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the writing was on the wall. They A, a big... Uh, a a couple big players left Bioware during this um production cycle, and I forget the exact titles, but one was a you know a creative director. I believe there was a story writer, and it, it, it what it came out the other side is something that definitely has promise, but seems like a paint by numbers looter shooter. And you know if this is your jam, if you you love games like this, there is something there, um, but. I actually have my eyes floating towards other games that, uh, you know, I enjoyed uh, like a little bit of the initial uh, forays like The Division um, that I've heard like great things that they've, you know, uh, built on old mechanics and made them better. And I actually might go check out The, the Division before I, I, you know, check this one out. It reminds me, I shelved Destiny a couple of years ago, Destiny 2, and I might go
0: back and see what they have going on. Yeah, it's interesting. It's neat when you fire up a game and there's like, you know, mechanics there that remind you of a, another game that you played a while back, and you kind of just want to go play that game. <laughs> it's that 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 happens, and it's it's interesting when it does. Um, can I talk to you about Smash Brothers, Dan? Because this game took me by a complete surprise. Hit me, dog. Hit you, dog. Hit me, baby. One more time. <laughs> Bam. Bam. So. Okay, so I spent the majority of my gameplay over the past week playing Smash Brothers, and it started with firing up Smash Brothers and expecting to play it for about eight seconds. You see, I've never been a Smash Brothers fan. I got it on Nintendo 64. What? Yes, I, I, I swear to you. I got it on Nintendo 64. I got it on Nintendo Wii, uh, and it it got like a couple hours of gameplay time. Had the friends over, did the thing, never got it. You know... I only picked up Street Fighter in any uh, formal way, like, let's call it two years ago. There was a moment in time where I decided, you know, I'm not very good at fighter games. I'm going to jump into Street Fighter and, and, and make something of this thing. And I really fell in love with the complexity of all of the movements in the combat, you know street fighter is half a circle forward followed by an a and a b and then an uppercut and you're chaining things together in that fashion right it's a very complex series of movements that once you've mastered them feel really satisfying smash brothers to me had never had any of that it's always felt really clumsy and really and which is crazy because i know a lot of folks are are adamant that it's one of the smoothest gaming experiences in a fighter that they've ever experienced right You, you were a smash brothers fan yourself yeah big time big time. I actually remember like 15 years ago arriving at your home and playing Smash Brothers for an afternoon with your younger sister. Um, and I just hated every minute of it. I don't know what I don't know what it is about Smash Brothers. It just never captivated me at that time. And so sorry. You were You are an saying, amateur
1: boxer stepping into the ring with pros and that can be that can be a jarring experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Shelf that conversation for a second. So I picked up <laughs> Smash Brothers for one reason. I picked up Smash Brothers as an entertaining party game where I can make full use of four Joy-Cons, right? Four guys beating each other up on Smash Bros, whatever if I don't really dig the combat and don't really dig the whole scenario. Um, it's at least, you know, an entertaining thing to do with three other people. I fired up Smash Brothers solo because I realized that they're of the 77, or 76, 77 characters you can play which is staggering by the way it's a staggering. huge roster and yeah it was a big part of me deciding to pick it up um there's only like eight unlocked at the beginning so i'm kind of perturbed i'm like oh man do i need to play through some shitty campaign to unlock all of them and it turns out that that's not the case you, no matter what you're doing in the game whether you're playing multiplayer or single player um, melee like the classic kind of or brawl sorry the classic kind of uh, uh mode or the new storyline slash campaign mode, which I'll talk about in a second, you're going to be unlocking characters anyway. And so, you know, I played a couple of matches, and sure enough, it felt like old Smash Brothers, and I was like, okay, this is cool, I guess I just have to play a little longer and unlock these characters so that when, hypothetically, I have four people to play with, you know, we've got all the options, right? That, that was my only goal. And it took me trying the campaign to actually unlock what Smash Bros. is all about. And it was such an epiphany, Dan. It was like I had, I borderline had tears in my eyes. It was incredible. So, oh. so have you heard anything about Smash Brothers Ultimate? Have you, have you looked into it at all? I, I haven't dipped my, my proverbial toes. Oh, your proverbial toes? Are those located on your left foot? I suppose, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so, Smash Bros ships with a campaign that plays out. In a map very similar to, um, like, Super Mario World, right? It's this really beautifully detailed and painted map that's dotted with combat encounters. There's fog of war all over it, so you can't really see what's going on unless you uh, unless you explore, right? And the storyline of the game is basically that the giant hand that pops out at the end of, you know, uh, Smash Bros. 64 has uh, has, I guess, killed blown up the world and killed all of these 77 characters and has these spirits inhabiting these 77 characters' bodies in its post-apocalyptic version of Earth, which is kind of heavy for a Nintendo title. That bastard. (laughs) That bastard. And so, the whole um, premise of the campaign mode is you're progressing through this world and you're trying to find these 77 characters, defeat them, and then bring them back to your team so you can take on this giant gloved hand monster named... I can't remember. It sounds French. The Master or Hand. No, that's not it. It's like It's got some fancy name. Anyway, it doesn't matter. What's cool about Smash Bros. is they've included in the campaign mode this thing called Spirits, which are, I have to imagine, hundreds of Nintendo characters, like minor characters in, in games, you know, that and everything from... I, I, I'm drawing a blank on even one of them right now. Like, you know, Pokemon Toad? and... Sure, a million and one. No, Toads I think is a playable character, but all of these minor Nintendo characters that give you a passive benefit when you slot them into your your fighter. So, for example, you start off with nothing but Kirby right you got to play Kirby to start he's the only one that escapes the apocalypse somehow and as you're playing with Kirby you can unlock all of these different spirits and again there's hundreds of them and they alter the way that you play they give you additional bonuses they make you jump higher they make you run further they you know give you passive resistance to lightning damage and stuff like that they're and you're performance very much- enhancing characters performance-enhancing minor support characters or something like that, and you can level up these spirits and there's support spirits that interact with one another, and you can very much customize your, your fighter's experience in this game by swapping out spirits, and it's extremely satisfying, and so I get deep into this game mode, I'm like six hours on my first playthrough, just literally sitting there and playing through this Smash Bros campaign, which I have to stress, in my wildest dreams, did not think that I would be spending this much time on Smash Bros, and it suddenly clicked with me why this game is so good the game is so good, because it's not just a fighter game. It's a simple fighter game with complex interactions that's also a platformer. And the platforming part of it is so freaking cool. It's like the best part, right? Because every stage, and I believe there's like a hundred, or maybe it's not a hundred, it's a lot. There's dozens and dozens of stages, is a different entity, right? There's d- different different dimensions, different platforms, different um, different spots on the map you can go to. things are changing if you pound on the ground, something blows up, and you know the stage is suddenly in a different state and in this campaign mode. They take the characters and they create different parameters. They, for example, will say, okay, in this match, you've got to play against Mario who's made of steel and moves really quickly and there's electricity running along the ground and you know every five seconds a missile is going to fire from the ceiling. And so you're playing this like platformer slash fighting game and it's extremely good and extremely fun and extremely varied. So all of this clicked for me and... At the same time, I'm like mastering Kirby, so I'm basically the undefeated Kirby master now. No one, I don't think anybody can take me at Kirby at this point. And um, the simplicity of the move sets, which is literally like pressing the B button to use your 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 your, uh, your special ability and using it with a directional to execute on different uh, combos or moves, I should say, um, means that you can pick up and play any character. Uh, Immediately, all you need to do is understand how their moves interact with the world. So it's like, for me, went from the bottom of the barrel. I do not want to play Smash Bros ever to the number one fighting game that I'm ever going to want to play. It it was it was a real genesis, Dan.
1: Yeah, and you know if I can put it simply, um, it's like uh, comparing it to Street Fighter. You got to pause and check out the move set if you haven't played that character before, right? Uh, with Smash, you just got to test out the five different directions, you know what I mean, of pressing B in, in a different direction. You kind of got the gist of it.
0: Yeah, and I love it, man. I mean, it, it really, you know, ah, I, and, and the unlocking of the fighters I thought was going to be a real pain in the ass, but it, it's... It's actually kind of special. Like, you know, you're going through the game, and I'm choosing to unlock the fighters through running this campaign. And so you're going to these various corners of the map, and you don't have to unlock all of them to beat the game. So, you know, you're you're kind of really doing your legwork to unlock them all. And every time you unlock one, it's a really, like exciting moment you you want to try that fighter you'll jump into brawl mode and like try out their moveset or whatever it is and it's actually way more satisfying than just like booting into a game where there's 77 characters that you can choose from um you know it just creates a little bit more of a narrative for for having them all in your game so i'm uh, i'm genuinely stoked on smash bros i definitely will finish the campaign and um this has been maybe my maybe my favorite game of the year so far which is wow the dark horse super weird for me I mean it came out last year, but for me, I bought it this year, so Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I see a game of Smash in our future, my good dude. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yes indeed. You know what I'm looking forward to? What's that? A little marijuana. You want to jump over to smoke? Sash? Let's get in there. Let's do it. yes, sir. Welcome to the Smoke Sesh. Ahoy! I don't think uh, I don't think Scottish people say ahoy very often.
1: Uh, I mean, unless they're Scottish pirates, I suppose.
0: Yeah, a, a, an inspiring combination. Um, hey, here's a little news bite for you. No Man's Sky has another update coming out. Did you know that, Dan? It's coming how out this, you, uh, this summer. How dare you infect the Smoke Sesh with your news update? I'm sorry. I apologize. I know this is sacred space. It's consecrated ground, but they have a, a new uh, tech crunch says new bundle of new content called no man's sky beyond. We'll tie together three different updates, um, improved online capabilities. Uh, just, yeah I guess turning this a little bit more into an m m o which is interesting um but yeah i mean multiplayer
1: multiplayer really emphasized it's really cool i mean I, I love these updates about no man's sky because this is a redemption story. This went from a very negative reviewed uh title to one that's now got mostly positive
0: reviews. I think we could call it a very negatively reviewed shit heap
1: yeah Not it was a, it
0: was a smoking crater of broken promises and lies. Yes, and uh, you know they've uh, they to their credit they've done a great job in terms of not just turning around the game but generating a lot of goodwill by just continuing to update this thing and you know obviously they update it and good press comes out and you know they get increased sales hopefully at retail and not on the secondary market but that's a tough gamble right like especially when you're you know you, you put yourself in their shoes uh, on release in whatever 2016 now you're continuing to develop for a game that's been absolutely lampooned and there's very little chance um, of redemption happening right there's very little chance of return uh, in your developmental pursuits and uh, to their credit you know about authenticity of just making more content and helping to fulfill on their initial promises is uh, is engendering them some goodwill because they didn't have to.
1: Yeah, they doubled down and they, they came through and just put their their nose to the grindstone and kept on, you know, making a runway ahead of them. And I think people had some forgiveness in their heart because it wasn't like an EA situation where they burnt everybody two, three, four times. Um, so it's, it, it, it shows you that uh, gamers still can believe. Uh-huh. Oh, isn't
0: that a romantic idea? What are you smoking on today, bud? Oh, the bud that I'm smoking on is a little fella called Power Plant. Power Plant. Power Plantular. The Tarantular Power Plantular. Oh, give me the the, the no-lown on those nugs, the low-down.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to pass it to you. I'm going to have you smoke first, as is the tradition, and then I'll tell you everything you need to know
0: there, my little funky sugar. Okay. Well, I have me some forbidden fruit, which sounds fascinating. Tiny little nugs, very dark. And it's appropriately fitting because we have some conversation to have a little later about purple on plants. Mary Jane uh, is telling us how, today Mary Jane on the Cannabis Corner uh, is telling us how uh, weed gets purple. And speaking of which, this cannabis is very purple. Some really densely packed, tight nugs. Not very fudgy. A little bit leafy. Um, coming apart quite easily in my hands here. Actually at its core, quite fudgy. Ooh, there we go. I've hit the mother load. Um, you know, a uh, some thick trichomes on the exter- exterior of this beast. And on the inside, deep purple patches. It looks like I'm mining for purple ore. It's incredible. And smelling it on the nose, we got... Diesel all day, super sour, with uh, a nice, pleasant, uh, sweet orange kind of flavor. Really nice, really beautiful flavor here. But that diesel is there in a big way. It's actually really pleasant. Very sharp, sour, and yeah. It's like the sweet and sourness of of an orange at the same time. I love it. Um, I am smoking this down in a King Palm Blunt Wrap. Which uh, is a beautifully slow-burning blunt wrap with uh, very little flavor, which is nice because it lets you taste the weed. Oh, you're setting out on a voyage there. I love it. I am. Uh, Curtis, can I borrow your lighter? There we go. Old Kurt, always there for you when you need him.
1: Curtis is the thruster engineer on this particular voyage. Yes. Hit that afterburner, Curtis. Well, while you're blazing up, uh, let's talk oh, a little bit about on, forbidden
0: fruit. Ooh, that flavor! Oh my! So it's a little musky on the tongue, a little yeah. musky, a little. Tready. I got that sour. I got that sourness hitting me in the back of the mouth. It's like sucking on a uh, like like sucking on a sour gummy. It kind of hits you in the back of the throat. It's very tart. And, and you know what? The sweetness is there too. It's actually this may be the strain that I've consumed. It tastes as closely to what it smells like. That's amazing. What a beautiful strain. Very Let's lucky to have this in one today.
1: With Leafly and Jeremy Irons to see what's going on with Forbidden Fruit. So uh here we go. A forbidden fruit is a mouth-watering cross of cherry pie and tangy. This sumptuous genetic cross expresses a beautiful, dense bud structure with deep purple hues, dark green foliage, and wiry orange hairs. The terpine profile is a mixture of cherry pie's musky, sweet cherry undertones and tangy's loud tropical flavors. There's also a note of pine mango, and passion fruit candy. The effects hit hard between the eyes and lay into the body with each hit. Forbidden fruit's deep physical relaxation and mental stoniness make it perfect for dulling minor physical discomfort and discarding stress.
0: Oh, yeah, feeling all of those things. I'm glad that I got the muskiness note. That was was a good one. Um, Actually, I feel like I nailed... yeah, I feel I feel like I nailed that pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a really pronounced strain, um, and yeah, these nice little bits of purple in there are making me feel happy looking at them. Just All right, you got okay. power plant. You yeah, got a power plant, Daniel. Why don't you give yeah. us the lowdown on that situation?
1: Let, let me talk a little bit about this fella. Um, once again, a lot like yours, uh, little popcorny buds. Just little fellas, actually, probably the most popcorny that I've come across in some time. I've been dealing with some long, tall cones, but these are just little guys. I mean, uh, they're all about skittle size up to uh, ding dong size. It's all candy comparisons here. Um, And uh, just getting. uh, Never eaten a a ding dong, Dan. Uh, I have a good authority. That is untrue. Um just checking this out. This is just a dusty, dusty, dusty. Uh, little cloisters of brown hairs throughout. Um I may have overtried oh. this guy, um, so it is a little bit thick. Maybe it was a little bit more supple in its in its better times. On the nose of it, um pretty neat, pretty interesting, definitely earthy, definitely woody. And boy, uh, the pepper is coming into play. And it's got a little sweet snap at the end. There's a little snap Ooh. of that sweetness. Ooh, it's, it's hiding in there. Because you get hit right away with the pepper, right? That 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 makes itself known. But on the back, a little snap of that sweetness. Ooh, All right, let me let me load up. up the old tri-bubbler here. Uh, got my beaker tri-bubbler bong ready to rock. And just a just a little bit. I'm gonna dabble and I'm not gonna fly too closely to the sun, lest the minotaur capture me. And uh Curtis, can you pass me the lighter?
0: Thank you, Curtis. <laughs> uh Leafly seems to know that I'm in Las Vegas. The article it's suggesting is ten best things to do in Las Vegas while you're high. Andy, did you start using that VPN I sent you? Oh, dude, I gotta do something about this fucking listening to me shit.
1: Now, so now much information gotten, available
0: to the interweb. Now that you've gotten up on the
1: grass, it's the perfect time for me to tell you they're watching you, Andy. They know where Listen, you are man, now, and they might. As be long as where no one, one ever right finds now. out what
0: happens in my private browser, we're okay.
1: I don't think that incognito is doing as much as you think it <laughs> you is. Know.
0: You don't think it's as uh, ironclad as, uh, as we once expected?
1: Listen, they found the Unabomber, and I'm pretty sure he clicked on that uh, incognito window.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, my. What is Power Plant? Power Plant comes from Dutch Passion Seed Company and is derived from powerful South African sativa strains. Thanks to this, these plants have a fast-growing time compared to most sativas, and will produce either many medium-sized flowers or a few very large buds with smaller buds, popcorning between 7 and 9 weeks. These plants are troopers and will do well in almost any environment, but its woody, earthy scent is pungent, so indoor growers will have to prepare. Power Plant has a sharp, peppery taste. While many sativas are good choices for a clear-headed buzz, this plant's high THC content makes it Powerful, it makes some users happy and creative, though effects may verge on too intoxicating for some. Oh, Andy, when you when you read off the
1: strains, I feel like I've won a weed strain on the Price is Right. I feel like you have.
0: I feel like we both did a good job this week.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, so I should have read off a highlight here from our good friend for Forbidden Fruit. Uh, here's here's what Extra Moist Eleven says. I got this strain from Pals Collective in Bishop, California. Let me tell you, never have I had such a tasty strain. Some may call it cherry or fruity, but it's 100% grapefruit. Uh, it's a very purple bud to the core and chock full of orange calyxes. I don't know what those are. And frosty trichomes. It's a beautiful look at smell, but treats you even better. An indica dominant strain. This will make you smile, lose
0: track of time and pain. Nice. Well, five years ago, GMB-95 has this to say about Power Plant. Quote, I'm flying! Quote.
1: (laughs) I like like a guy that gets that baked, but it's like, you know what? This is intense, but I need to get on to Leafly and let my comments be (laughs) known.
0: Oh, yeah. GMB-95, we salute you. I haven't saluted enough recently. I feel like we need to bring it back. You've saluted the perfect amount, I assure you. And Uh, and I mean, you've almost
1: started taking your hats off completely, probably because your hat's been replaced by a toque.
0: Yeah, there you go. I take my hat off to that comment, that's for sure. Uh, What is coming out in March, Dan? Let's dip into that big pile of sour. Dead or Alive 6 came out. I Should I say it bounced onto the scene? Ding! Come on, man, left, that was a good one.
1: Yeah, you left me high and dry on these March releases. They're not in the show notes I'm trying to make me look a fool because I don't know every yeah, game that's coming all, out in March. Keep it on glory tight. for Andy.
0: Keep it be high and e. tight. I am the arbitrator of this uh, this here release schedule. Like for example, Toe Jam and <laughs> Earl back in the groove.
1: I didn't oh, know that, they sounds, ever left that the sounds groovy. You think now, you Dead or Alive would
0: Earl. be an excellent paramedic game?
1: That would be a good paramedic game, right? Sounds you're, you're a like paramedic first game on the tone. scene, first responder, Dead or Alive is, is, would be I'd, – I'd, I'd buy that game.
0: I got a real issue with Dead or Alive because, you see, back when the PlayStation 2 first came out, it's all I wanted. And, like, getting a console at that age was a big deal. You know, it was always a Christmas or a birthday affair if you were lucky. And so I remember when the PlayStation 2 came out <laughs> – Uh, A friend of mine and I, uh, young teens at the time, I think, uh, went to Blockbuster Video and uh, rented a console for the weekend. And, you know, this was going to be my parlay. You see, my whole plan was I was going to hook up the PlayStation 2 in the family room. And I was going to just enjoy the hell out of it. Loudly, vocally, I was going to work some tears into that so that my parents could see what kind of unmitigated joy I was experiencing with this PlayStation and know the for sure. The impact would be undeniable. Absolutely. They had, they had to purchase PlayStation 2 for me. And so uh, we rented Dead Live 2, popped it in the tray. Um And, you know, I can't remember what fighter I chose, but my good friend, who we were playing with at the time, um decided to choose a very well-endowed <laughs> young lady uh with some surprisingly realistic physics added into the mix back in whenever that was, uh, Dead or Alive two times. They had tracked um, certain vectors, and they made themselves known. They had animated in a big way. They went big. And so... You know, you can a picture, I don't know, what, what the real... Let's imagine that my mother walked in, a big smile on her face at her child's joy, carrying a plate of cookies, and uh, was greeted with, uh, you know, the sight of this buxom lady laying the smack down on a, on a green mohawked... Punk. Let's call it female empowerment. Yeah, well, you know, fair enough. And, uh, yeah, so that was her first impression I still did get the PlayStation 2 that Christmas, but I, I was pretty sure I was, out, I was out of the black. Feathered I was pretty sure I was out of luck on that one. It was not a good first I, impression. Let's put it that way. I,
1: I you I love that there was a plan that there was a piece of lined paper that had been penciled upon it. Rent PlayStation 2. Show clear signs <laughs> of joy. Obtain PlayStation profit. And if I were the the your friend in the room, I would have turned to you and said, "Listen." If you don't give me rights over this every second weekend, I'm going to tell your mother that this PlayStation 2 has made me illiterate and I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do my studies anymore. I'm going to look her dead in the eye. And I would say, this is the type of thing that would derail a, a man that was going somewhere and just turn him yeah. into uh, an abject failure. And she will, oh my, in the try. And I'm like, and I'm thinking about worshiping Satan. I don't know where that came from, but it's there.
0: <laughs> I popped the disc in the tray and the Lord's Prayer played backwards. Um, I'm proud to live out? in a time just to put a button on it.
1: In a world where a, a woman in a bikini can suplex a bear and she, she feels that that's an option. That's a, that's, a, that's a world with future. Amen to
0: that, brother. Amen to that. Devil May Cry 5 snuck out, eh? I came yes. out a few days ago. Yes. Too much silence. I haven't seen anything on Devil May uh, Cry 5, which is surprising
1: yeah the the uh, the machinima guys that just took over the no and made it a new gaming channel which I cannot recall right now they did a a cool piece on it they all they all played it and they're all uh some of them, some of them are fans of the series some of them are fresh to it uh one of the claims of fame is they had the same video guy for this one that they had for the third one um so it's got that over the top cut a car in half ridiculousness um that devil may cry people came to see.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Devil yeah. May Cry 5 had me excited back when we talked about the preview video uh, a ways ago. Um, at this moment in time, I'm having a challenge mustering enthusiasm, but that may just be the forbidden fruit talking.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's, I think people want love a vampire Devil May Cry... Man.
0: They that they love busy. Devil May
1: Cry. Do you know what I mean? Like, you got uh, uh, Dante has taken a step back for the secondary character that they introduced a couple games ago. Nero, I think his name is. And, uh, you know, they're both featured in this game a little bit. They have distinct play styles. Uh, the mechanic for Nero uh, in this game is that he gets different arm attachments because his arm was severed in the last Devil May Cry. And they vastly uh, will change his play style. Uh, and if you take enough damage that that arm can be destroyed, and it puts you to a default mood set moveset is my understanding
0: yeah, all right, well, I mean, it sounds neat um i'd be open to trying it, but this this to me yeah it's it's not it's not necessarily inspiring excitement um are you going to be picking it up or?
1: Yeah I, I might if it's in in the discount bin I'd pay half price for this. Um it's one of those games where uh difficulty and style is a bit of emphasis and it's it's one of those games where when you finish the game the first time the first time the game goes okay now the now the that real game starts, and that's when it opens up all the difficulties, uh, multiple characters, uh, and you know these are this is a type of game. It's like seventeen hours for the story mission, so a lot of it is about the replayability, and there's like a community that will will be doing speed runs and all that type of thing.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. You know, I think that the issue for Devil May Cry with me is that um, I really enjoyed the original Devil May Cry, and you'll remember that I hated Bayonetta. I got Bayonetta for the Switch, hated it. And I played like a good six hours of that thing. Like I played it on a, a plane ride from Toronto to the West Coast uh, and then a little bit in the hotel afterwards, um, which was a substantial amount of time. Much much more than long enough for me to know I did not like it. Uh, and I think it's tarnished that kind of Devil May Cry genre for me. I just can't muster the enthusiasm for another on-the-rails on the, <laughs> royal, on the rails, uh, fighting, fighter experience. You reviewed that quite a while
1: ago, and I remember it leaving a bad taste in your mouth. And, you know, Devil May Cry asks the fundamental question, do you think a handgun should juggle a demon in the air uh, properly executed?
0: And if the answer is yes to that, you probably enjoy this game. Right. Well, GameSpot gave it a 9 out of 10. Imagine it wasn't out of 10, it was like 9 out of 13. How confusing yeah. would that be? There, people Kirby- don't like fractions of that, of that measure, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn just came out for 3DS. I can't believe they're still releasing games for 3DS. Damn. This has got to be among the last. Yeah, 100% it is. Um, Tom Clancy's The Division 2 just came out today, actually. Oh, no. It's definitely not the 15th. It's the 18th. Excuse me. Um, Tom Clancy's The Division 2 looks spectacular. I'm sure we'll be reviewing that in a future episode. Uh, And what else is out today? Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon. Everybody, what is this game? You know mystery Chocobo dungeon? mystery dungeon. Oh, it's got no. some nice. Oh no! Oh no! How do, I, how do I turn this ad off?
1: You mute. Shit. You mute your computer when you're podcasting. Like only
0: a professional. Only, no, there's only four seconds left. It's okay. One second. Oh, good. There we well, go. See? I mean, ad finish. Over. I didn't say stop. I, I I've now muted it to actually how see about, the game here
1: how about super robot wars t the t distinction is important
0: uh chocobo mystery dungeon looks like a dungeon crawler of some sort Yep, yeah, looks like a dungeon crawler don't know any of the features at, sounds neat at, i think added i get it. a lot to the conversation there <laughs> yeah really, really it's, this, has up a, this has been a really solid three minutes <laughs> um enough of that enough of that nonsense Goodness, goodness, goodness. Let me tell you something that you didn't know you needed, Dan. Ocarina of Time Co-op. I
1: didn't know I needed
0: that. Some wily badgers have put together a build of Ocarina of Time called OOT Online. It is a small team of fans, so reports Kotaku, um, that have decided they wanted to put together a game where you could run around Hyrule in full Nintendo 64 glory with up to 15 people. And I ask why, but then I quickly ask awesome. (laughs) I ask awesome as well. And I I say, (laughs) um, uh, cursory questions come up. Uh, Are we all Link, Andy? We're all Link. I saw a Link in a gray hoodie. No, it wasn't a gray hoodie. It was a gray tunic. (laughs) Uh, Did it say smoke at 420 on the front? (laughs) Link in a hoodie is, yeah, amazing. Um, Andy, what was
1: I saying? Gannon's got it. Gannon's got it in for like he's got it. He's got it bad. Like seventeen links can't handle one link. I was there.
0: Seventeen's beyond the scope of this tech, but fifteen should be doable. Um, Are there fifteen master swords? What kind of continuity does this offer us in the fiction?
1: I. There should be a, a key decision point in the game. Is if you can't decide collectively who gets the master sword, it's game over for everybody.
0: Yeah, Hyrule is plunged into darkness forever, and that really it, is the game.
1: Because your your need to be the your millennial need to be the hero. I said it, even though that that's uh, every time I hear the word millennial, I wish that I would dead. <laughs> Can you agree with yeah. that? Well, yes. you get your get your get
0: avocado toast and get the hell
1: out. Oh, um, best tweet of the year! I've said it before. Millennials walking around
0: like they rent the place. <laughs> that is a good one. Uh, Mary Jane brings us this insightful article about... I, I said insightful like I was being sarcastic, but I'm not. It was an interesting article. Um, Mary Jane brings us an interesting article about why weed turns purple. And uh, it's a lot of chemistry. It's a lot of science. Um, however, the what it bottoms down to is that when you put cannabis through a life cycle into an artificial, excuse me, not a light cycle, but a temperature cycle. No, it is a light cycle. I don't know how to grow cannabis. Well-researched clo- me- material. That's all we offer here. <laughs> let, me, let me read verbatim, because I'm going to continue to butcher this. It's possible to cultivate purpley cannabis plants in a way that minimizes chlorophyll production. Chlorophyll, of course, I think... Possibly being the thing that makes things green to do this, simply lower the temperature during the twelve twelve light cycle mm-hmm, to ten mm-hmm. degrees Celsius during the yep. dark phase yep, man, let me if i 'm taking off my hat to anybody it's cannabis growers i don't i don't even know what you guys do, but it is magic it 's music, it's science it 's a dance, and i 'm over here like chlorophyll, more like borophyll. Yeah, by lowering the temperature, the plant behaves as if autumn just started. So it goes into autumn early and creates this lovely dark purple uh, bordering on black. In fact, you can get it to black if you do this uh, to that degree, uh, to to the most extreme degree. And I just wanted to ask you. Dan, do you feel like purple weed is more dank? Like, does it, does it do something for you in your brain when you see that purple? Like, Andy, For all intents and purposes, I don't think it actually makes weed more dank. I don't think it's a sign of super dank weed. I don't think it's anything other than a really nice color.
1: But I, I think, think that's, it does something that a super dank weed really should do is it's dank on your expectations. And as soon as you see it, you feel like it means business. I don't know if you remember the first time you were presented a purple triumphant nug uh, by me to when I first saw it. It was from a fellow named Marty. Marty, the one man party. It was in a forest. And and fun fact, only one of of Marty's um, uh, arms functioned. The other one hung at his side. Um, which you wouldn't know because of the kind of bravado I had. And if you're wondering how Marty Marty, the one man party was dressed, it's exactly like you'd think Um, like skiing glasses, the ones that don't have the rims at the bottom that are mostly comprised of plastic, a kind of neon windbreaker um, with like uh, a patterned pants. And I shit you not, a sweatband around his head. Oh, Marty. He did have a mustache. He did have a mullet. A curly mullet, and they were both blonde and triumphant. So, I mean, for me, that purple and uh, my favorite mention in the whole article is uh, that what produces it, the anthocyanins, uh were
0: resplendent and, and and had me at hello. Man, I think that Marty Marty, the one man party is the best analogy for purple weed you could have come up with. I got to Thank you. I got to tip you for that. That's- Thank you. Let's thank I'm Marty. Almost tear jerking, really. Let's thank Marty. Thank you, Marty, Marty, for the one man party. He's, uh, a, he's speaking- a
1: he's a he's a he's a kind of character that uh, someone should write a play about. If I was a more uh, cultured, we could think of the playwright that should write it. I, I'm thinking of his name. He's a Southern playwright, and it won't come until is we it just bad hit that the, the stop button. The only
0: playwright that I know is Shakespeare. I don't know one other playwright. Uh, I mean, I feel like being a weather, playwright in this I, I, day and age would be a <laughs> thankless profession. No, no hate guy, if you're a playwright, but
1: this guy's the most southern name ever, and people are shouting at the podcast. It's like Theodore Jackson, but it's not that. Oh, it'll come to me. Well, our 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 one theater major listener is screaming right now. Anyway, moving right along. <laughs> screaming
0: in silence. Oh, um, this is his only friend. So in a blast to the 2011 past, or 2010 maybe, Dwarf Fortress has resurfaced. And Dwarf Fortress is a game in the, I, I don't want to say the dark corner of the internet, because it's not in the dark corner of the internet. It's a very popular game. But it is in a corner of sorts. It's in a, it exists in a corner, that's for sure. Uh, and it's a game made entirely in ASCII with an incredibly diverse amount of range of randomized things that can happen to a lowly band of dwarves just trying to create a beautiful home in the mountains with a functioning economy and some farming. And, It very very much is a cross between The Sims and an adventure RPG. Um, It's extremely entertaining. It's extremely disastrous and catastrophic. I played this game, um, again, I think it was around 2010, 2011. Played it for a long time, and I didn't realize that there's actually an add-on or was an add-on you could get to give you more of a visual element to the game. A lot of people are diehards about sticking to the ASCII nature of this thing. I got to say, you got to get the graphical upgrade ASAP because it makes the game even better than it was. Um, But on the relevant note, Dwarf Fortress is now coming to Steam, which is hopefully a big deal for Dwarf Fortress. Now, Dan, have you played? Is this game familiar to you?
1: Yeah, I I loaded up this game and it's very similar to a game that I I played extensively called Angband. Uh, It's like Dwarf Fortress if the entire narrative and um, all the pieces of the game were based on Tolkien uh, lore. So it's like uh, Tolkien, Dwarf Fortress, and I enjoyed it immensely. And uh, I played it in its purest ASCII fashion.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. ASCII, I just, I can't even, I can't even get there. Um, After enough but, time, Andy,
1: you don't even see the code anymore.
0: Fair enough. Uh, either way, the reason that the creators are putting this on on Steam is to hopefully um, see an increase in sales so that they can uh, ramp up those revenues and afford health insurance. Because they are an independent, I believe, group of brothers. Two brothers. I could be wrong on the brother thing, but it sounds good. Uh, who just <laughs> developed this game full time, which is really romantic, like in a in a really genuine way. Like... The idea that you've got this passion so you project or fortress
1: brothers that are both uninsured and it's possibly romantic—you took me from a definite yes to an almost no. <laughs> These possibly romantic brothers need medical insurance, and it's up to you. I'm like, I don't know. This presents a moral quandary. <laughs> two brothers,
0: true love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my good. Oh, my oh goodness. <laughs> unsafe in their medical uh, coverage. Unsafe in their Family broke obscurity. back, Mountain. Oh, uh, bro. bro. <laughs> okay. That's enough stop of that hitting, stop, conversation. Stop
1: hitting me, Mountain. This is my side of the car. Okay, we're done here.
0: <laughs> Duh. Uh, fun little fact, and this is <laughs> yep. really great. This is really good news for me. Yeah. Apparently I'm MySpace, I'm gonna... <laughs> oh no. Yeah, go ahead. Apparently, apparently MySpace accidentally deleted everything uploaded to their servers before twenty sixteen. This was posted fifty three minutes ago.
1: Jim, uh did I delete the temp file or did I delete the twenty sixteen? Oh you you deleted the twenty sixteen. Yeah, I meant to do the temp
0: file. So close. Oh my god, I can't believe this. It actually did. So full disclosure and no one will ever know this secret. But I have some oh, extremely dude. embarrassing MySpace stuff, like very Cut. just not good and uh, impossible. It was impossible for me to delete it because I had no longer had the password or the ability to recover the email. Andy, and- how much do you think
1: you need to pay MySpace to delete a year that you just nearly needed to
0: go? Yeah, I don't um, know, because, but I'll never have to know because it, they've just deleted it for me. Like this is a big gift for me, Dan. Like this is weighed good, buddy, heavily on it, my soul it, for about ten kiss
1: years. From the Lord, there's nothing lost. That, this is not the libraries of Alexandria. Like, let me tell you, if somebody recorded 1997 and was able to cut a capture of both my Tasmanian Devil sweatshirt as well as my Body Glove windbreaker, like people's
0: brains would break if they could see the clothes that that adorned me. Oh man. That's amazing. Well, MySpace, thank you. And and it does bring up an important question, which is, can we really rely on platforms like Instagram or MySpace or Facebook or Twitter, probably not Twitter, I don't know, to to house our content forever? Like, I I have my entire experience with my children loaded up into the cloud, and if the cloud goes away one day, I'm going to be a sad man. Listen, Andy, if you want to be one day traipsing
1: across the apocalypse uh, with the remembrances of yesteryear, make sure you print them out on some kind of negative or permanent digital record, Um, you know, and maybe a couple trusted ones that you could be holding the tattered edges of should they be there. Because it's it's interesting. We don't print photos out. And uh, yeah, I have a couple I could pull off my wall if I wanted to remember the face of my family. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, you're like, yeah, the nukes fell and... uh, I can't remember my family's face. I draw it in the mud sometimes.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, what a bleak future! Uh, uh, I'm going to spend this entire weekend printing out photos of my family.
1: I've listen, yeah, I've been like uh, tactfully injecting paranoia through this whole podcast at you. And I, can we, I can don't, we
0: resolve to do that? I want, I want it for you as much as I want it for me. Let's print who, out some family face- photos.
1: Whose face would you miss seeing? Uh, I think for me, it would be Barry Manilow's or uh, Will Smith. When he does that face that makes you laugh in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And every time you see it, it would make you laugh no matter if you saw it a thousand times. Uh, that ran in newsprint down in the TTC. And every time I saw it, every day on the way to work, him being like, I laughed every time. I just keep that with me. My, my family and then a picture of Fresh Prince. <laughs> I'm confused. Are you related
0: to Barry Manilow or Will Smith? No, I just mean people's faces that you would forget. Oh, forget or not want to forget? Because you have your family's
1: photo. You have that. But you're like, the only thing I regret is I can't conjure the face of whoever.
0: Okay. Um, uh, Wesley Snipes. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I can't picture what he looks like at all right now. I don't know. Can Wesley try thinking Snipes of a vampire
1: like. that's black and has a sword. Sometimes that helps. Yeah,
0: but like does he have a mohawk or is he bald and why no, he's is he a always got a high wearing... and
1: tight flat top that he may have cut with that samurai sword is
0: possible. Is he wearing sunglasses always? Like what do his eyes look like? Has anyone In seen the his making... eyes? In the making of Blade Trinity, he got
1: into such an argument with the director that he would only be referred to as Blade. He never came out of costume. He never took his sunglasses off. And he talked spoke to the director through handwritten post-it notes. Man, Wesley Snipes, that is some whack shit, my dude. I, he, he went in, I think, I guess the idea is that he was smoking... A lot of weed at that point, allegedly, allegedly. So uh, as said by Patton Oswald, and it, he made it. You might have got to that point where you needed to pull it back when you realize that you're only you're telling everyone to call you Blade and being a little bit of crazy person. I guess he headbutted Ryan Reynolds. Oh, because he was really, really, really in character. Wow. <laughs> during during a sequence, I like, gave seen the waiting. full headbutt.
0: Yeah, Snoop Dogg and Mary Jane. Have launched a new esports series called the Gangsta Gaming League, and that is dope. Basically, Snoop and a bunch of his buddies are going to be playing Madden 2019 for a chance to win their share of an $11,000 pot. And I have to ask, because I'm down with all of this, and that sounds awesome, but 11 G's, not that much for Snoop Doggy Dog. Yeah, he's just getting started. Just getting started. I think that Snoop needs to up the ante on this guy. I think I think Madden NFL, for it to matter, it's gotta be at least a hundred hundred bills. Hundred G's. And mm-hmm. like he'd set a world record of some sort at some point. That's gotta be the most that any group of friends has ever wagered on a casual video game competition.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but you gotta ask yourself how high does Snoop does Snoop playing people? Is that the idea? He's like playing his buddies.
0: Um yeah, oh yeah, exactly. So he's playing with Redwoods, Red Grant, J.C., Trippo, Loke, Lala, Shelton, Waniac, and Young Sag. That's oh, so that makes sense? Get... He's playing with his bros. Like, you know, maybe some of them are at an earlier phase of their career where 11 Gs is worth a little more. So I, I got that. Snoop's keeping it, keeping it for the people.
1: You know, yeah, because if he upped it, he would have to be, be talking to some Ludas, you know?
0: I mean, dude, 11 Gs is a lot of money. I just, you know... For Snoop, I, I imagine that you know Snoop wakes up and, and moisturizes his face with $11,000. He's like, Actually, I'm prudently invested. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what, man? I gotta say about Snoop Dogg, he just does cool shit. That's like his modus. It's like, What am I doing today? I'm gonna do some cool shit, whether it's Soul Playing or the Gangsta Gaming League. I approve of all of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think he's doing good things wherever he goes. He's got the cocktail book, he's got the cookbook. Uh, you know, now he's got a gaming league going on. He's been a Does big a core supporter book? of this the has gaming.
0: This Circle. He has oh, a book. I think so, book. brother.
1: Uh, you Snoop know, up. unless I'm incorrect about incorrect about that, but uh, you know, he's got the classic gin and juice, it writes itself. Oh,
0: wow. So, he doesn't I don't think have a cocktail book but he did achieve the world record for the largest gin and juice cocktail ever created in 2018. Wow! Uh you oh, pool man. sized? Uh, Snoop's record breaking cocktail contained over 550 liters of liquid, including 180 bottles of Hendrix gin. Even though the star's original song lyrics mentioned the Seagram's gin brand. Well, come on, man. That song came out in like the nineties, dog. Like, his tastes have evolved. What kind what of a, what a weird expectation?
1: I'm gonna come out with like a raining on your parade type thing and say if you can't drink it, it's not a cocktail. It's some sort of vat. Who said you <laughs> did not drink it? Man, that's a good point. You are talking about point. the real that's boss dog, man. Like if this the, if, the real boss, know, dog, come on. Um. Who we? Uh, I'm almost positive that I have heard a set of recipes that include drinks that had things like beverages, gin and juice. That had like a 40 ouncer uh, beverage. I'm positive I've seen a series of Snoop Dogg cocktails. Internet, come prove
0: me right. Get at us. God, we've really degraded in the past few minutes here. Eh? How's that? Uh, how's that cannabis landing with you? Um, I like told myself at the beginning.
1: I'm, I'm like this thing is not coming uh as crazy as they said i'm like i'm fine i'm not even that high and then i think if you wheel the track back you'll see that that is in fact not the not the case uh another fun fact that playwright i was talking about was tennessee williams as i asserted before the most southern playwright name you can think of
0: oh my god oh we gotta oh we gotta talk about getting high and driving so as a rule of principle Don't get high and drive. However, Colorado researchers are currently seeking volunteers to get high and drive, per high times. Uh, Stone driving, not been thoroughly researched. And uh, Mr. Brooks Russell, Dr. Brooks Russell, says, and I quote, the goal is to better understand impaired driving so that we can prevent impaired driving. And I get that. The question will continue to remain... Can you measure THC limits, or excuse me, THC levels in the body? And until you can, I am extremely, continue to be extremely nebulous about the the efficacy of trying to measure if someone's high or not. This is one of those studies that
1: I need to know a ton more about it. Oh, man. Uh, what are the measures they're taking? How are they conducting their research? Uh, how big is their sample group going to be? Are they going to tra- track uh, sex and age, uh, weight, weight? things like that and you know one of the key questions that keeps getting asked is like uh, how do you deal with the fact that uh, the, the, the active ingredients and in, um, uh, marijuana are going to hang around your body and it's it's really tough to talk about dosage and when you smoked and all that type of thing it's it's very it's very challenging for them to put the, a pin in it so uh, yeah. yeah a lot of
0: questions with this study a lot of questions anyway uh, you know, I hope we get to the bottom of it, man, because the last thing I would ever want to see is a, a cannabis user persecuted for falsely being charged with driving high when they are not, in fact, high. Um, and at the same time, I'd prefer that we don't have people driving around high on the highway. So, damn, it's a, it's a tough spot to be in. Hey, you know what?
1: You I think that, uh, you know, your limits, uh, especially, you know, when it comes to, to smoking, you, you, you I think, you no, know, even when you, if you're too high, you know, you're too high. It's not like alcohol where every drink, your brain's going, you're, you can drive, you could drive. Your brain's like, Hey man, like probably take it easy. That's why, uh, you know, uh, when I'm driving, let me tell you, there's no road, road, road justice being handed out. If I've, you know, smoked recently, I now obviously never get behind the wheel if it was dangerous. Um, uh, but, I am I am a cautious man. You know, slow lane, speed limit. It's, it's. I think that, uh, you know, the nice thing about high drivers, they often mediate themselves. They just, like, they're not taking a bunch of chances on the road.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. I got I to gotta put a hard no on driving high. It's just not a good idea. Just a bad, let's just leave it there. It's just a bad idea.
1: Well, let's not characterize that I was saying, hey, huff a bone and get behind the wheel. That was not what I was saying. Are
0: you sure? We're, you're going on record for this one. Dan? Condoning high driving. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Thank you. I, pre- I pre- appreciate I that. I can't wait to show this to your unborn children. Oh, Dan, we got to shut this puppy down. I am, mm-hmm. I don't know. What, can you remind me? This is Paradise. What is it? Paradise Lost? Paradise Disguised? What is the name of this strain huh? I'm smoking on? Fruity oh, uh, forbidden, forbidden Fruit? Forbidden, forbidden Ten Fruit. Ten guys in wow. a boat? Forbidden Fruit strain. Here we go. Is this a, what did you say about it earlier? Oh, yeah. Deep Indica. That figures. I'm sleepy. I'm really sleepy. Forbidden fruit has been nice. Not too heady. Um, You know, a a subtle lowering of my eyelids. And just right now, at this moment in time, I feel like I've eaten a whole bottle of melatonin. I'm just so pleasantly warm and sleepy that I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah, that that, that math checks out. Yeah. How about your uh, incredibly uplifting and uh, creativity-boosting... uh, plant power plant <laughs> thing thing stuff power plant. Uh, buddy
1: buddy, uh, i definitely am cooking a little bit here it's uh i got have come up to a nice simmer and yeah there's a bunch of energy with this uh, with this particular strain i definitely we got some moonshot content it'll be interesting editing
0: this bad boy down oh yeah andy's going to bed and dan's going to the club listener questions or games you want us to play hit us up at the purple dungeon squid at gmail.com
1: and, uh, you know, tell a friend that you found a podcast that was like two gamers uh, read The New
0: Yorker and then got baked. Poorly researched and hilarious. <laughs> uh, and just to clarify, it's not thepurpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. It's just purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Make sure you also follow us on the gram at purple dungeon squid. Until next time. Please, my friends, keep it dank. Fuck I am high. Uh, Dan, 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 I hung up on you.